Why, hello there, everybody, and you are listening to Nerdler. Girls, <laughs> got it before me. All right, everybody. Now, before we get started, I want to take a moment to say that as residents of Los Angeles County, we acknowledge our presence, including virtual presence, on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of indigenous people who are variously referred to as the Gabrielino, Tongva people, and Quiche Nation. Uh, that being said, I am your host, Jen with a G, as in good golly Marvel, you gave us a whole lot of content. How's it going, everybody? Hello, everybody, and I am your co-host, Caroline, a.k.a. the Sorceress Supreme, um, and I've been consuming a whole bunch of Eldritch Abominations to take their <laughs> power, but uh, in the meantime, between uh, that project, I've been watching Hawkeye, and now I am here with my wonderful, wonderful friend to talk about this uh, series and the series finale. Wow, yeah, like seriously, where do we begin? Because I was up at like eight in the morning, just like, all right, let's do this. I got my breakfast with me, I got my cup of tea, let's do this. And I tell you, I must have freaked out my neighbors every time I'm like, ah, what? You know, just, oh my gosh. It wasn't like completely mind blowing, but I was still pretty impressed by the solid finish that this show gave, you know? Just uh, eight and a half out of ten. That's that's my general idea here. Uh, what about you, Caroline? What do you think as, as Hawkeye did as a finale? Um, it's kind of difficult for me to sum it up because it's like there's a lot of stuff that really works here, but a lot of stuff where I'm just um, really like, oh come on, like this is um, this could have worked so much better, you know. Um, I think there's looking at the finale versus kind of the rest of the series, I'm just, there's a lot of things, I guess I could sum it up by being like, I love where it ended up, but you guys needed to figure out a better route to get there. <laughs> so that's one of the things that I find sort of difficult with this series is just that like, I did enjoy it quite a bit, but I also feel like it was so, um, it had so many kind of issues getting off the ground. Then it really got going. Now I'm invested and now it's over. Oh, uh, yeah. Fair enough. Because if y'all can remember, none of us had a really favorable opinion towards the first episode of Hawkeye. Like, even, like, um, off the record, we were all talking about, like, uh, yeah, it was, like, uh, meh, blah, whatever. And then, of course, it picks up. But, you know, with six episodes, how much can you do? And they really did try to squeeze in as much as they can. And I'm at least pleased to say that any questions that we had, like, throughout this whole season have been answered, or at, at least for me personally. We got the threads tied together to make a really ugly Christmas sweater that I am willing to wear at Christmas parties. Exactly. I feel like the sweater metaphor is good because it's like, it's a, a beginning knitter, like, started out, and the beginning is really rough, but as they knitted, they kind of learned what it was, and then the sweater turned out very solid and toward the end I'm like oh man that's some great bits of knitting you know at the end of the sweater but it's just like okay this piece down here can you go back and redo it to like fit the rest of the sweater <laughs> right yeah you know there was a lot of things that the show did well and some of the things that it didn't do so well now let's break it down with this episode 
So where we last saw our heroes, Kate Bishop had a, a conversation with Yelena and they both realized, wait, who are we working for? What are we doing? And Yelena has Kate realize that her mother, Eleanor Bishop, has been working for the Kingpin and has framed her fiance, Jack, for half the crud that they did, which, okay, great. The smarmy dude I actually had kind of a purpose other than just annoying the living hell out of me. Yeah, like, that's one of the things that I mean when I talk about, like, I like where it ended up, but it took so it, was, it, it took such a frustrating path to get there. Because like it's funny by the end of this episode, I'm just like I think I kind of love Jack, and I used to hate him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to feel about Jack anymore at this point because y'all know I, I've been ragging on him since the very beginning. Like, who's this fool? Oh my gosh, how do we now see that this fool is just shady? Then of course, oh, he's been framed, and next thing you know. He's like pulling out his sword like, yeah, I'm totally going to join the fray. Have at the uh, tracksuit mafia. I don't know who you are. I just know that you're shooting at my could have been daughter. Yeah. And okay, that's like, it's wild that he comes in and he seems very protective of Kate. And like, it's very sweet, but it's also like, well, where did that come from? You know, like, uh, I think in the last episode I was saying like, okay, if they wanted to set up Eleanor as kind of the, the twist being she's actually the bad guy, like, there's a, a path you could have taken to get there. Like, have it be clear that like, you're not necessarily clear, but like, there's some ambiguity about Jack, he might be shady, but it also might be like Kate not wanting, you know, to see her father be replaced. And so like, you know, maybe have them actually kind of get along okay, or maybe have some moments where like, they're trying to bond. And I mean, it's kind of funny because looking back, he's like, I read a book about being a stepdad. And it's just like, is is he just like really wants to be a stepdad, you know? Um, right. Like, that's kind of cute. Like, I think that's kind of endearing. But it's also um, not clear because, again, he never really got along with Kate very well. Um, so I guess maybe he just really did genuinely love Eleanor and just wanted to be like a good husband to her or something. But um but yeah, so I kind of do enjoy him at the end of he's he's just this ridiculous person with a sword who is kind of very okay with his fiance framing him for murder and getting thrown in jail and then just comes <laughs> out and like is like, okay, I'll fight these uh these guys and like I think still acts like he's Kate's dad or something or Kate's stepdad. So it's uh yeah, I mean, also his conver the conversation he had with his nephew was just ridiculous, and, and right? I did enjoy it. Like, it's like he's so he's such a like yeah, he's such a kind of I don't know quite the right word for it, but he's just like such a, a dilettante that it's like a, his bratty little nephew is kind of getting um, into it with him, and he's like, "Fine, I'll pull out the embarrassing story." Ha ha! I won. It's like <laughs> that's like a ten year old dude. That's embarrassing. <laughs> or when like the larper lady is like hey maybe you should join so just like blood on my cravat and it's just like she gives up i think with him uh -huh. and it's just yeah i'm i'm just kind of I, I just i don't understand who he is now but i'm kind of enjoying him so yeah yeah like I were to just watch this episode alone and see him, I would have liked him right off the bat. I would have been like, oh my gosh, kooky stepdad with a sword and putting bratty little kids in their place. I dig it. 
but seeing what we've seen of him, I'm just like, uh, I'm left with mixed feelings in the end. I do dislike him a little less now seeing him like totally tell his little nephew, like, you remember who peed his pants at the Hamptons? Yeah. No one's going to forget that. Like that was honestly gorgeous. And the fact that he, without any real prompting, just like, oh, people are attacking other people and shooting. It's my time to shine. And the reason he even had his sword in the first place was, I guess, to make a weird flex, as um, Clint stated, to say, like, yeah, I was put in jail for supposedly uh, murdering my family member with a sword. But you know what? That was proven false. So I'm going to bring the sword. Okay, dude. I don't see the logic, but uh, okay. Whatever. Yeah, I know. I'm just like, wh- what exactly is the logic to that? But also, I'm just like, why does he like swords so much? I think he just really likes swords. <laughs> um, and also just, you know, like he in the last episode when he's getting um, arrested, he's like, you know, you can't frame me for running a, you know, a, sh- a money laundering scheme like that involves work. I'm not going to do that. I, <laughs> I think for him, he's just like has way too much money and all the time in the world. And this is the thing he's he's decided to do with it. So I guess, you know. Yeah, he was an interesting character because I actually read online somewhere that his character was actually a mentor to Clint Barton. But the actor, Tony Dalton, said, like, yeah, we're not going that route. And I'm like, really? Okay. thought that was an interesting choice on the creator's part. But uh, okay, you know, guess I'll take weird Lalo. I, I, I don't know, man. So that was something that didn't quite work for me. Because even though I was amused by his antics, the whole thing that they had with Jack just did not work. It, it's like you said, Caroline. If we're supposed to be kind of setting him up as like a red herring, do it right. Because it was they were just laying on the, oh, he's so shady, just so thick. So much so that we all started to question it. Like, wait, is he really? I mean, we even speculated in the previous episodes, like, watch he be framed and sure enough, you know? Yeah. They could have handled him as a character a lot better, but... Hopefully he does join the LARPers and find someone who loves him and his weird obsession with swords. I, I don't know. I guess I wish him the best. <laughs> Just out of Kate's life, preferably. Yeah, he, he probably should be. Like, uh, I don't I don't think he's a very responsible adult. Um, so, <laughs> And she kind of needs a responsible adult around at some point in her life. Uh, so, so yeah, that that probably won't work. But But yeah, I do kind of hope he has more i don't know maybe he just kind of shows up on the periphery of more stuff um because i've i've come to find him very entertaining uh but i think you bring up a good point that like he sort of he was so like they they laid it on so thick the whole like he's a bad guy he's a bad guy that it turned into this sort of like double disappointment where it's like on the one hand if he turned out to be a bad guy it would be blindingly obvious but they were also hitting it so hard that it's like, well, he must be a red herring, right? Exactly. Just, it didn't work. His character did not really work, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. Because I like that actor solely for Better Call Saul, but all right, he's, he's got bigger fish to fry in again, Better Call Saul. Yeah. And I mean, this is kind of what I was talking about earlier about like, I know he's a good actor. So why was he so bad in the er earlier stuff? And I'm like, well, you know, direction and writing, 
because like he gets to do you know mostly you know good comedy bits here and it's like oh he's really funny and he's got good timing you know um yeah so like that uh that worked for me and i was like see look again good actor can get mired in bad direction and bad writing um and i felt the same way about vera farmiga although i do i'll get to we'll get to her eventually i'm sure um (laughs) but i kind of think i i wonder if there isn't kind of a issue these days with like writers finding themselves in a double bind because it's like on the one hand um you know i feel like i hear so many people complaining about like plot twists and you know plot twists that like they saw coming or plot twists that like they think were done badly or they're like oh you know that came out of nowhere i didn't see that coming that wasn't properly foreshadowed but at the same time you know when you have like these big properties that are heavily fueled by like speculation and people guessing what's going to happen next and like fan theories it's like you also have this thing where you know if you're on the internet and you're kind of near this community you'll hear so many theories that one of them will have to be correct you know so i feel like writers my message to writers is that i think they need to just like stop caring what fans say or think you know (laughs) solid advice man yeah like you know if you want to do a plot twist like you know go ahead and do a plot twist and just kind of keep going with it even if, you know, someone on Reddit guesses what it is or something, you know, <laughs> like, don't be intimidated by that. Because, like, there are lots of people who aren't online. Like, I know it seems like everyone, you know, knows certain theories or the like certain headcanons or something. But trust me, like, not everyone is going to be online following all this stuff. So there are going to be plenty of people for whom it'll just come out of nowhere. And then, you know, the reverse happens. Like if someone's complaining about like, oh, that plot twist came out of nowhere. It's like, well, then you were surprised, right? Which is good, right? Or not, unless you don't like to be surprised. Like, you know, <laughs> it's it's just kind of like you can't win. So stop playing the game. Just write the story you want to write. Exactly. Seriously, it, I, I can only imagine how much pressure writers are on nowadays because it's like you said the internet makes it easy for all of us fans to connect and to talk and to speculate and to dissect every little thing but that shouldn't stop the writers from going with what they originally planned because honestly there's always going to be something someone doesn't like always you could literally write the masterpiece of the century like this book or show is just original in every way, shape, or form. It was well acted or written. Best plot twist ever. It was speculative. You know, it could literally have all these things going for it. But there's always going to be a handful of people that's like, oh, it, it was kind of sexist. Or, uh, you know what? It, it's a little stereotypical with this. Or, you know what? It was actually kind of cliche. You know, there's always going to be someone dissatisfied. So just stick with what you're going to do. And in Jack's case, maybe maybe they dropped the ball on him a little or maybe they that was the plan for him the whole time, but it was just poor execution. I don't know. But either way, just all right, dude, I dislike you a little less. Count that as a win. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I, I totally agree with what you're saying that like, you know, it must be there must be a lot of pressure on on writers these days, especially since I feel like 
you know, with what I was saying before, I feel like the internet kind of amplifies certain voices. Like, you know, if you talk to people in real life, you will know plenty of people who cannot keep any of these characters straight. You know what I mean? (laughs) Exactly. Like, you know, you'll talk to someone who's just like, I don't know. I like the ones with the guy who is like a Viking, I think. I think I like those ones. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm sure we've had conversations with people about Marvel where we're like, oh, yes, that is Thor. He is the god of thunder and he is actually the blah, 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 blah. Yes. So many times. Yeah. But at the same time, you'll, you know, you'll go out into the wider world and you'll kind of talk to people. And a lot of times it's just like, oh, wow, I like that guy. You know, I think he's super cool. Or I think that actor is attractive. Or I think that girl is super powerful and that's fun to watch, you know. Or I like their costume or something like that. Or just like, oh, I thought that that was a fun movie and I enjoyed it, but I didn't really think about it after that, you know. Um, Yeah. So, like, there are loads and loads of casual fans out there. And I think you need to, yeah, I think writers just, like, need to remember that they exist and uh not worry too much about like even though it seems like everybody is like obsessing over this easter egg or complaining about how like this character isn't the same as in the comics it's just like those are just you know some people who are very very online and very active and you know you they don't necessarily represent everyone who's watching so basically um, yeah yeah and i mean i also feel like i know i said we were going to talk about eleanor later but i feel like she suffers from the same kind of problem where they're trying to set up a twist and they're putting too much energy into setting up like trying to misdirect the audience so it's like the twist doesn't get properly set up like i liked where they kind of landed with her but you know it was it was a kind of a bumpy road to get there so what did you think about about that or do you want to kind of wait till the end for that uh, no, let's talk about her now because it's honestly, I agree with everything you just said. Eleanor has been kind of a mixed bag from the start where sometimes she shows like motherly concern. Other times she seems very indifferent of her daughter. Sometimes she does shady things. Sometimes she does things that are perfectly reasonable. And it's just, I really don't know what, what the writers were thinking with her. And I, and it's not the actress's fault i'd like to think not because i've seen her in other things and she's a great actress and yet i I don't know they just again it's like what i said with jack if i were to watch this episode alone i would enjoy eleanor as a character much better but considering what she's been built up on i'm just like okay you know satisfying conclusion even if it did take a while to to get there seriously the fact that she worked with Kingpin, of course, awesome, very great uh, thing to know because, yeah, we speculated that the Kingpin was the quote-unquote big guy that Clint is afraid of. Seeing him in person was very satisfying. And seeing Eleanor, that she's been working with him, because I guess her husband racked up a debt with him, which, okay, Mr. Bishop, what the hell have you been doing? <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, Mr. Bishop, you were not smart at all. That was, why did you think that you could get in debt to the kingpin like that and there would be no consequences? Seriously, and I'm actually a little surprised that Eleanor didn't kill him during, like, the Battle of New York or whatever. But I guess I don't know what took her so long to find uh, Kate in the first place. Maybe she was disoriented. 
instead of killing her husband like I originally thought. But okay, she's been under the kingpin's thumb. So clearly that gave her the wealth that she and Kate comfortably lived in. And I'm going to assume maybe that had some part in her weird relationship with Kate. Because she claimed that I did all this for you. And I'm just like, my ass. (laughs) Like, I just, I did not believe that. Not entirely. Just, I don't know. Yeah, I I feel like the stuff with the dad was all such a misdirect, you know? Like, the first scene of the first episode is setting up, like, who he is and this family issue, and then he comes back, or he doesn't come back, which is frustrating to me because I was convinced he was going to. But I'm Uh also frustrated that Elnor didn't murder him because that would be more interesting. It would have been, right? As if to say, oh yeah, he's dead. So uh, yeah, the debt should totally be gone or whatever. And Kingpin's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I didn't think of that. That maybe she's like, what if I kill him and make it look like an accident and then go to Kingpin and be like, well, he's he's dead. So nothing we can do. And then Kingpin's like, yeah, no, that's not how it works around here. You're mine now, Eleanor. So like, yeah, it's... And the thing is, I do like the idea that like the reason they were fighting to begin with was because he got in debt to the kingpin and Eleanor found out and was like, what were you doing? How can you think that you could do that? And there'd be no consequences. And then subsequently, you know, has to work it off for him to keep him, you know, away from like, like you can see it definitely because, okay. um, When Eleanor says like, I did everything for you, I think it's interesting to me. That's what I meant when I'm like, I like where she ended up because I like the ambiguity of like, on the one hand, it's clearly a guilt trip, you know? And it's also clearly a like, yeah, Eleanor, but you you also, you know, said she's like, I came from nothing and I know you can't deal with that. I'm like, I don't think you can deal with that either. <laughs> right? Know? I think, and that's, you know, I think that that's a sympathetic motivation that Eleanor comes from nothing and she doesn't want to go back to that. Um so she's going to do whatever she can to hang on to what she has, you know? I mean, like, it's wrong, but I can also sympathize with it. Um, especially, you know, if she also did have to take care of a daughter. Um, and it's not easy to take care of a kid if you don't have anything, you know? Kids are expensive. Oh, yeah. Um, and also, I'd imagine that she was worried about the repercussions of, you know, being in debt to the kingpin. Like, if she didn't work for him, what would have happened? He could easily have, and especially since this is, you know, the Vincent D'Onofrio kingpin that we see in Daredevil, knowing him from that show, I'm just like, yeah, I totally believe he would have killed them both if, or something like that. If, or he would have taken Kate, you know, hostage or something and been like, all right, you pay me back or your daughter's going to get killed type of a thing. So, you know, I can definitely see her being ter- being scared that if she didn't placate him, he would come for them. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Fear was definitely her motivation. Whether or not um, uh, all of it was for Kate like how she claimed, but either way, she thought that she could like just cut ties and be done with it, but lady, do you not know who Wilson Fisk is? No. You don't walk away from the kingpin. You never get out unless he kills you. Plain and simple. Yeah, basically. And I mean, I was also kind of frustrated that they dropped the whole thread of like her having insurance on him because like, I can't tell if that's a sign that she's actually 
um, had like some kind of a play, like a real plan that she could have been a threat or if that's a sign that she's delusional, that she thought <laughs> that that could save her, you know? Yeah, I really do question a lot of Eleanor's motives and the things that she's done in the past because a part of me is like, all right, so obviously she quote unquote repaid the kingpin plus some, you know, with whatever it was she did because she's she's obviously capable of pulling some strings and I'm guessing she must have used her security company to get some dirt on people. I don't know. But either way, just I was a little a little disappointed with how she led up to this point, but the fact that we did finally get to that satisfying conclusion where, yep, it's all out in the open. You're working for the kingpin. Oh, but I'll fix it. Oh, honey, no. He's going to try to kill you. Yeah. And she does try to make a run for it, but mm-hmm. freaking kingpin. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's kingpin. You cannot run. You can't run away from him. Um, but at the same time, like the reason, you know, she knows he's dangerous, but the reason she got out of business with him was because Kate was getting too close to the truth. And like, you know, that's also, I mean, I guess the question is like, why did she take out the hit on Hawkeye? Um, you know, was it something for Kingpin to like impress him or was it because she thought Hawkeye was going to get Kate killed or something, you know, like they're all, I would have liked a little bit more clarity on that because it's a major plot point. Right, um, But at the same time, I think that shows that like there is a level of genuine concern for her daughter that like Kate getting too close to the truth is what makes her run. Um, so like, that's the thing I, I, when I say I like where Eleanor ended up, I mean, there's still a lot of like loose threads in her part of the sweater, but um, <laughs> I do like the ambiguity of her. Like there's some part of her that does genuinely care about Kate. There's some part of her that's just out for herself. There's some part of her that's like trying to reframe what she's doing as being for her daughter. But at the same time, it's also like, I did like the line at the end where she's like, someone has to clean up the mess. Someone has to take responsibility. And Kate's like, yeah, someone does. And it is you. And also it is me. I'm going to let, you know, you get arrested even though I still do love you, but you need to suffer consequences for this. Even if it means, you know, I basically don't have a mom because she's going to be in prison for a long time. Um, So I did appreciate that. And also that there's a way of like, I know in the last episode I was saying like, well, maybe Kate will have to kill her mom. Um, And I knew that wasn't going to happen because I felt like that was going to go too far. And also I don't think Kate would have done it, but I like this in that Kate does have to, you know, do something bad to her mom, but for a good reason. Like, yeah, no, it was the perfect way to kind of blend in that black and white view that she has to sort to kind of drive into her that things can't all be cut and dry. People aren't fully good. People aren't fully evil. You got those people in the middle and no matter what, your personal feelings can't always be the motivating factor in your heroism. Yeah, that's a really good, uh, I really like the way you phrase that, that like your personal feelings can't always be the the motivation. Like, yeah, I think that that's a definitely a lesson that Kate needed to learn. And I, I think it's it's good to see her kind of learn that. But it's also to me kind of like, okay, why is there not more of a reaction to learning about her father, that he's the one who was in debt to, to Kingpin? 
you know it's it's weird too because again at the beginning of the series it's like there's that scene of you know her and her dad and it's clear that like she and her dad were super close and then he dies and that's part of her motivation and then she has that line later about like my dad you know was a hero who helped people and it's like well how and how did she get that impression and also you know i feel like that should be a big moment of complicating her view of him like oh my dad was a hero who helped people actually know he was a shady guy who worked with a mobster you know yeah yeah i'm a little disappointed that there wasn't much about him either and i'm like okay i guess it's just one plot hole i'm more or less willing to let go because i know they're nowhere close to being done with kate yet so I'm hoping that they'll bring it up again at some point. Yeah, I'm I'm also hoping that this gets resolved because I feel like the dad was just this major kind of like, it was set up and her relationship with him is was set up as being important in the first episode. And kind of from there, it just got dropped really quickly, you know? Yeah. Uh, do you have any idea if Hawkeye is going for a second season or if the six episodes is all we're getting? I do not. I haven't heard anything about what is next for, I mean, aside from I've heard that Echo's getting her own show, um, I haven't heard anything about what is next for Kate or Clint here. So. Alrighty, alrighty, I'll take what I can get at this point. So. Yeah. Because it does seem like at the end of the episode that Clint passes on the mantle to Kate, which, thank you, we needed that. Kate Bishop is awesome. She definitely proved herself. Like, seriously, throughout the entire episode, she was just kicking ass so much. Just the fact that Clint was genuinely mentoring her, like basically giving her tips like, yeah, it's scary to do these things, but it's brave to do them anyways, you know, and the fact that she does reveal the reason she looked up to him is because from what she saw personally, and that seemed to kind of regain his spirits a little. So. Whatever they do with Kate, I really, really hope Clint at least makes a couple of appearances here and there. And I'm pleased that he did not die like we kind of vaguely feared. Yeah, yeah. I um, I think for me, I, I do really wish that there had been more consequences for Clint's time as Ronan or more realization or just like more sense of... I mean, I appreciate what they did with Natasha's death of, you know, making it weigh on him, making it be this huge um, thing that he has to struggle with. Uh, but I do wish that the Ronan issue was taken more more seriously or there were more consequences or again, that there was that moment of him understanding what it is he really did to Maya um, that I feel like gets kind of skated over. And I, I wish there was more of that. But um, I do appreciate that like i guess i'm i'm on team i don't want clint to die because too many characters have died for him (laughs) Um, so i and it was also it was sweet to see him get to be back with his family and also i think his daughter was was worried like we were that he was gonna die because she's like you kept your promise you came home like she seemed very relieved when he came back i think she was worried about him so yeah yeah, she knows what's up. She knows, like, okay, I'm sensing a lot of hatred towards Hawkeye around. So uh, that is that, a good juju there. She sensed us. She could, like, hear us talking smack about her dad through the screen. She's like, I don't know. I just get the sense there are people out there who hate Hawkeye and are really mad at him. 
basically yeah she's just like a sense of disturbance in the force and i, I don't like it just yeah. dad come back please i'm yeah. sensing a lot of discontent out there <laughs> i have a friend who kind of has a um sort of a half serious theory that or i should say we have a friend because you know her too but um i'm not gonna uh you know, just share her secret identity with the internet. Um, but uh, she has this kind of half serious theory that characters in the MCU, some of them do have force abilities. And so it takes place in the same universe as Star Wars. Um, and it's just, we don't know it yet. And so there's some like random stuff that, you know, seems a little like, hey, I wonder if maybe they have. And so there's a couple of characters that we were like, yeah, maybe they've got the force. So maybe um, we can add Clint's daughter to that list. It's like, yeah, she's she's got the force. She can um, she can sense things. So I accept that theory. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I think with Clint, I I like, you know, him and him and Kate's interactions continue to be really solid. Um and I, I liked what they did with the costume. I'm glad they didn't give him like a full on, you know, crazy, ridiculous costume. But, you know, he <laughs> right? still gets a little bit more color and like a little bit more pizzazz than just kind of the plain black thing he had on before. So um, and it was really cute to see how excited Kate got about him wearing the costume, too. So, yes. Oh, my God. She's like, ah, right. Doesn't it look good? And he's just like, yeah, you know, <laughs> and I like that a lot of like his training and advice to her stuck like when he was teaching her the whole flip flinging the quarter thing so that it could cut through glass like worked in her favor later in her fight with the kingpin and i like that he took her advice in labeling the arrows (laughs) (laughs) i know i as someone who who does appreciate solid organization in the workplace i uh I was glad to see that. I'm like, yeah, I think I think these arrows need to be labeled, especially when they're very dangerous. So, yes, very much so. And oh my gosh, speaking of the arrows, that I think is one of my favorite parts of this episode. Like how creative they that they got with them. We got like magnetizing electricity that brings all the metal together. We've got the, of course, the typical gases. We have one that was like an airbag seriously oh and then that one arrow that froze that poor trust a bro leg (laughs) wow yeah Yeah. they were insanely creative with these arrows and i was pleased as punch with all of them yeah that was a lot of um that was a lot of fun to watch and um although i do think you know kind of part to my whole uh point about this series feeling like it's just like as soon as it gets cooking it stops like I feel like in the last episode Clint and Kate kind of came back together too quickly like I get that you need them kind of back on the same team for this finale but um even then I was kind of wondering like hey maybe you know they could have had like last episode they're they are apart and then it's like the beginning of this episode you can get them back together on the same page but it felt like you know Clint's like it's too dangerous you can't be my partner anymore and Kate's like I'm back and he's like okay fine you can be my partner now (laughs) you know yeah that, quite that, resolve that. Yeah, I feel like that breakup, you know, again, uh, this is me, maybe I'm projecting and maybe this isn't what the writers were trying to do, but it felt like they're trying to do, you know, like a basically a cliffhanger of like, of, oh, Kate's gone. Kate and Clint are broken up as partners. Are they going to come back together? How's that going to work? So that we can speculate on it or people can be, you know, tune into the next episode. And then it's like, ah, next episode, it gets resolved pretty quickly. So um it it feels like that should have been a little bit of a longer character beat 
Um, especially because to me, I really didn't like the fact that he sees her. He gets a flashback to Natasha. He remembers like how dangerous this is. And he's been trying to tell her throughout the series, like this is dangerous. And he reiterates that again, like, and I liked how he's like, you know, you're gonna, you're going to get hurt and you're going to have to make hard choices. And, you know, in this episode, she has to make a hard choice. So he's right about that. Yeah, and I appreciate that he doesn't sugarcoat it either. Like, no, you will get hurt. And sure enough, she mentions that she cracked her ribs with her fight with Yelena, you know. So yeah, yeah. no, do not sugarcoat it. It seems glamorous, but nope. And as a hero, you get your butt whooped a lot. And there are yeah. a lot of tough choices, like you said. Yeah, especially if you are a regular person, you know, without uh, superpowers. And speaking of the whole being a regular person thing, I really love the scene where Kate tells Clint why he's her favorite. And I feel like that lands so much better than previous attempts to explain why Clint is, you know, you need to have him or something. Like, because for me, and I mean, I know people who know me and also people who listen to the podcast... Um, probably know that I really hate Age of Ultron um, with a fiery passion. And one of the <laughs> things I hate is the way they kind of try really hard to push this idea that Clint is important to the Avengers because he's a normal person and they just don't sell it, you know, um, because like part of it is because he keeps making fun of. So he's like, uh, we're in a flying city and I've got a bow and arrow. This is dumb. And I'm like, dude, don't admit your own thing is dumb like it doesn't help us take you seriously um or if we're not supposed to take you seriously then why is there all this other stuff about like you know wow he's so grounded and we're gonna tease that maybe he'll die in this but then he doesn't don't you care <laughs> and also like the line that laura has of like they need you because you're normal and it's just like no how do they need him like they don't really need him he doesn't really bring anything to that group because none of them are that close to each other and also like right. you have other grounded everyman characters in this series but i feel like the way kate articulates it is so much better in this series because she's coming at it from the perspective of i was a little kid and i was so scared and then i saw you and you are just a normal person so i related to you not like you know Clint needs to be the normal one for the rest of the team. It's Clint can be a hero for normal people because they can see themselves in him. You know, I think that idea, again, not saying that that doesn't mean other superheroes aren't relatable, but just in this, in this world that you can definitely, to me, that hit a lot, that made it a lot more grounded and that felt more right for someone to say, like, you know, you inspired me because I realized that I could be like you um, in this situation instead of like trying to, you know, show us and or tell us and don't show us how he fits in with the rest of the quote unquote team that doesn't work like a team. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry to keep going back to like being frustrated with Age of Ultron and being frustrated <laughs> with like people trying to prop up Clint as the relatable everyman compared to everybody else but like that's been something that's been driving me nuts for a while now and now this series has found a way to point out that like clint having a big sort of a being a normal normal person um does have make him inspirational or does make him cool 
in a specific way. And again, to this specific character for Kate, like it makes sense because of the context at the time. And also there's a part of me that kind of wished that like we hadn't had the scene at the beginning of actually, I just generally wish that we hadn't had that scene at the beginning of this series. I feel like so many problems stem from that scene and like what it sets up and when it doesn't pay off, but also just like how kind of dumb it looked for her to see him doing that. And I feel like it would have been more interesting if we just didn't learn why she loves Hawkeye or if maybe someone is like, why do you like Hawkeye? He's lame or something like that. And then at the end, we get the reveal of like why Kate loves Hawkeye, you know? Yeah, you know what? You're so right because you were very articulate as to why we should care about Clint and how, yes, he's the everyman, but that's not why Kate idolized him. And honestly, it would have been interesting if the writers and the director would have made that choice of showing later on why Kate idolized him, because it would have definitely emphasized like Clint's initial uh, protest that, no, you know, you're, you're too young. And then Yelena's like, do you really know him? You know, it would have definitely put an emphasis on, how Kate viewed things black and white, you know, you think you like, it could have led us as the audience to think, yeah, you really don't know what he's done. Haven't you? Like, yeah, all you see is the Avenger who saved the world. And then later we, again, we see that flashback and we could have been like, Oh, you know, it would have been, had a stronger impact. So that's a creative choice that unfortunately we'll never get to see, which is why Marvel heads up, get the Sorceress Supreme on your team. She's got facts, man. She's got great creative decisions that would make a lot more sense. It wouldn't bug the heck out of a lot of us. Just saying. Manifest. Yes, I I would really love it if someone would let me be a script doctor. Like, I, d- I don't want to have to do all the stuff that involves getting into that game and uh, getting up to that level and going to film school and stuff. Um, because I already have a useless degree, uh, but I, I would just like it if somehow I could like switch places with the script doctor for a little bit and do their job for them. You know, we could just, we could just swap around. Like they, they could do my job and get yelled at by frustrated people and oh, I could do their job and probably get yelled at too, but also fix scripts. Basically. Yes. Sorcerer Supreme for Marvel. Hashtag that it's going to happen. Oh, thank you very much. But also, I really loved your point because I hadn't thought about how um, that scene, you know, related back to Kate talking to Yelena and Yelena is asking, like, do you really know him? Do you really understand what he stands for? And maybe to have this kind of throughout the series, there being this ambiguity of like, does Kate, why does Kate like him? You know, does Kate really know what he does or is just Kate just like the idea of an Avenger but then to have it kind of be revealed that Kate has this very personal connection to Clint and like the reason she likes him isn't because she thinks a bow and arrow is cool or because you know she's being contrarian and no one else thinks Hawkeye is their favorite Avenger or because she doesn't really know much about him it's like because he was kind of there at a time when she was at her most vulnerable and he made her feel like stronger and gave her hope, you know, that's, uh, that's a lot more powerful of a connection than just like thinking superheroes are cool. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's like, I, I think that you, um, saw some, some angles of what I was looking at that I didn't see 
myself. So, and that's why we make a great team. But um, all right. Even though I want to like look at this whole show from a creative standpoint, I shall move on for the sake of you people who are just like, what are you going to talk about this? And yes, there are a lot of things that I still want to talk about. So the thing is, Caroline, should we talk about Kazi, Maya, or the Kingpin? Because I have thoughts on all three. Um, I feel like you kind of can't talk about one without the other. They're very interrelated. Maybe let's start with Kazi and then work up to the Kingpin or Maya. <laughs> okay, Kazi, I swear to gosh. I'm just like, in the end, I'm like, you're a coward. Oh, you know, I can't get out of this. Oh, honey. Yes, you can. If you genuinely try, you can. And the fact that he betrayed Maya was just like, ouch. Like, we knew it, but it still hurt considering they clearly had a bond for each other, you know? But I don't know, like, how long he's been working for the Kingpin. If he's known uh, uh, Wilson Fisk as long as maybe Maya has, I don't know. Or maybe he's just that terrified. But the fact that he decided to choose to stay with the kingpin and you know he's confronting maya and seriously she's just like we could run away together and he's just like no like we can't and then he fights her i'm like so you've chosen death then because maya outranks you by far she's been pulling her punches with you my dude just because she cares about you yeah that um was like on the one hand it was I felt really connected to to Maya, but I'm also just like with Kazi. I'm like, I get that he's pretty, but I don't feel like he's worth it, you know. <laughs> um, but I was also kind of wondering about, yeah, what what is his background and like why is he loyal to the kingpin? Um, and you know, does he have that kind of it would be I wish they kind of maybe explored the sort of familial aspect because like, Maya growing up, you know, they refer to Kingpin as their uncle. And like, you know, maybe for Kazi, the Kingpin, like he does genuinely care about Kingpin. Like he's like a surrogate father to him. You know, I feel like that would explain him being loyal better. Um, Or, you know, if he has something that like, just a little bit of like, you know, I, I had nothing like I, like I came to this country and I was on the streets and he, you know, took, took me in and took care of me or something like that to show that like there's uh, a stronger reason for him to be doing this than just like, you know, no, I, I can't not do this anymore. This is my thing. This is my life. I'm, uh, I'm into that. And, you know, I don't want to dismiss that too much because I definitely, there are definitely a lot of people for whom, you know, getting out of those situations is very difficult. Like it's really difficult to, kind of if you've been involved in like organized crime it's really difficult to get out of that because it's like it's difficult to have a criminal record it's difficult to have been in prison it's difficult to you know get jobs and get set up with um like an apartment or get out of that world once you're in it so i don't want to sound like i'm i'm not sympathetic to that but at the same time i felt like if, if he had, you know, pointed that out, like, where am I supposed to go? You know, I don't, what am I supposed to do other than this? This is the only skill I have. Like, um, you know, if he said something like that, that was a more right. like, grounded, you know, that would have, I felt like, made him seem less of just like, he didn't even try type of thing. Um, and also, I'm just like, dude, 
you know, if you're trying to choose, if you choose the kingpin over Maya, you got to be sure that he's going to protect you because she is very, it's not someone you want to have as your enemy either. So, you know, um, so yeah, it was, it was disappointing, but it was also, yeah, you really felt for Maya and having to take him out. And also in that sense of betrayal, because like in that scene with kingpin, when he says like, I love you. And she says it too. It's like you, and again, the fact that he called, she called him her uncle her whole life. You got the sense that it's, it really, she really felt betrayed that like, she felt like he was, he was part of her family and maybe he viewed her that way too, to some extent. Um, even though again, he also, there's some interesting parallels here between, between Maya and Kingpin and Kate and her mom, um, that I'm seeing kind of the more I talk about this. Oh yeah? Do tell. Well, just the idea of a parental figure who both loves you, but also kind of has an agenda and, you know, this using that emotion as a kind of a to kind of manipulate you like with Eleanor she's like is that what heroes do you know arrest their mom on Christmas and it's like yeah that is what heroes do because it's tough and it's not fun and it's not glamorous you know like that's it's one thing to beat up a bunch of faceless assassin moop guys in tracksuits it's another (laughs) to have to make that that difficult call um with someone you care about. So, but Eleanor is kind of, is trying to manipulate Kate out of it. Um, And so I think with, with both Kingpin and Eleanor, there's this level, I think to me, I'd say that Kingpin is, is worse than Eleanor um, in terms of using someone and manipulating them and using affection to manipulate them. But I think there is a similarity there of, of using, you know, both of them being as kind of, being either the actual parent or a parental figure to someone and trying to, you know, use the fact that they care about you to shield yourself from, from them or to get them to do what you want them to do, you know? Yeah. The kingpin's a real piece of work. Oh, family doesn't always see eye to eye. Shut up. You killed the girl. You, you basically was the catalyst to killing this girl's father. You know, I'm actually a little surprised that Maya wasn't still angry at Clint because even though Kingpin was the one who sent a uh, Ronin after Maya's dad, Ronin, I guess, was still the one who uh, pulled the trigger, so to speak. So, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And that's part of what I meant about feeling like Clint still got off too easy is like, I mean, I know Maya's got her own series and she's still out there and we don't know what she's up to, but like, I, I kind of feel like Maya should be out to get Ronan as well, you know, and also Clint's, you know, threats to her. I can't see her taking them too seriously. Like, even though he did, you know, actually beat her in a fight. So like, you know, he knows what he's doing. He's a good fighter. I feel like she would be like, okay, he, he got lucky that time. I'm going after him again, you know? basically yeah i thought that was a little that they kind of dropped the ball on that one too but well considering that they are gonna have a show about maya i'm willing to let it go for the time being yeah i'm I'm kind of i'm hoping that uh with maya's show we maybe get some more threads kind of tied up although one of the things for me is that with kingpin showing up um i was a little bit like he started out strong, but then I got a little disappointed 
for a couple of reasons. And one of them is just the fact that Maya kills him, which, you know, is very satisfying and appropriate. And also after all the stuff he's pulled, um, it's funny. I'm just like, there's a part of me that just imagines Matt Murdock somewhere just being like, no, come on. After everything (laughs) you put me through, it was just some random girl who like had been working with you and then turned on you. Like, that's it. (laughs) Just shot him. That's it. Yeah, I thought that was, I have mixed feelings about that too, truth be told. And maybe it's weird because I haven't seen the Daredevil show yet. So for me, it's almost like he's only been here like twice in two episodes and they killed him off so quickly. And I'm trying to remind myself like, no, that's not quite the case. He was in a TV show for a couple years prior to this. So maybe you got to watch that. Maybe it won't it'll feel a little more satisfying. And another part of me is like, this guy isn't dead. I didn't see a body. I only heard a gunshot. Yeah. What's this fool get up? I don't know. I mean, he got up from like his fight with Kate, which I know we all saw coming. This dude is insane. Literally breaks all of Kate's arrows, flings off the car door of Eleanor's car. It was, this guy scares the hell out of me just yeah like i didn't see a body he's probably still alive i don't know you're right good point we did not see a body um so i'm gonna you're right maybe maya like fired a warning shot and was like i'm coming for you for real in my series (laughs) because i kind of i just i assume that was the part of the build-up to her series i'm not saying he has to be the main villain but i can definitely see you know trying to get revenge on kingpin as being a major plot of that um so I was kind of, I felt like they sort of spent that whole motivation. I mean, again, not not saying that that necessarily should be the whole series. Like, I don't think revenge quests are that interesting. And also they have been using Kingpin in another show. So they maybe are worried that he could get, you know, there could be some Kingpin fatigue. But <laughs> the thing about Daredevil, well, for me, the idea that he's just like here for an episode and then he's dead I found very frustrating as a fan of uh, Daredevil um, because I thought he was a great character in that. And it was like, wait, what? You bring him back from, you know, Netflix limbo just to kill him? <laughs> Ooh, okay. So like to me as a, as someone who'd seen that show, I found it a, a very unsatisfying. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go with you on this one and say that we didn't see a body. So we don't know. Um, but also to me, I think he he seemed just a little bit too superhuman in his fight with Kate. Like he shouldn't have gotten, he shouldn't have been so unaffected by getting hit with a car and getting blown up. Seriously. Oh my gosh. When he got hit with the car, I'm like, I know he's not down, but how is this fool not down? He got hit by a car. Come on. Yeah. I was super frustrated just like and again even though i know his character i've read him in the comics i've seen him in like uh the spider-man animated series i know what he's capable of but it still frustrates me like no no i don't care how powerful you are how powerful you think you are i don't care if you can kill a man with just one punch or whatever no no come on at least be a little affected by getting hit by a car and blown up come on now dude yeah because like as far as I know, he doesn't have any superpowers. And 
one of the things about, you know, again, maybe I'm missing something because I haven't seen Daredevil in a while, but I'm not the only one. So any Daredevil fans, like they haven't seen him in a little while. So there's some time to, you know, to forget him or to not um, get like bored of him or something. Um, So I haven't seen Daredevil in a while, but one of the things I liked about him in that was that, again, everything about him was very grounded. Like his particular kind of power is very grounded in that he's like rich and powerful and corrupt and he can buy a lot of his way out of things, but also his fighting style. It's just like, he's just a big, really strong dude, but he's not a superhuman. Um, so he shouldn't be able to get hit by a car and get blown up and just keep going. I mean, I definitely believe that he can like throw Kate around like a rag doll, not, you know, because she's a young woman, but because like he can throw most people around like a rag doll. Um, so, and also I like the fact that we see Kate being really, really, you know, doing a really good job and kicking a lot of ass. And then she goes up against Kingpin and it's like, okay, Kate, you go. And it's like, boom, gets thrown into the wall. And so I feel like that really establishes how tough he is. Um, but I think they went a little bit too far, um, in terms of like what he's able to survive in this series. But I do... It was it was nice to see Vincent D'Onofrio again in that role, and he was suitably menacing uh, to begin with. Um, I just wish, and he was, you know, his fight with Kate was pretty cool. I just think they should have dialed it back a little bit. Um, although in general, like I, I totally agree with your points about like it was really fun to see the different kinds of trick arrows, um, and some of the scenes were were entertaining. But I feel like. At the end of it, I saw it was back to the the original director, um, and it wasn't Bird and Birdie again. And I'm like, ah, I can tell this wasn't a Bird and Birdie directed episode. It just kind of lacks some of the uh, the flair that they had. So again, maybe that's just me projecting, but that's kind of no, no, you're right. Like this episode, particularly the fight scenes, had a lot of strong points, but there was some things that were like lacking that I couldn't quite put my finger on. And yeah. you're, I think it was definitely direction style, you know, no offense to uh, Rise, Rise, Thomas, you know. Uh, I think it's pronounced Reese, but Reese, I don't know. I'm not Welsh. That individual. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying it was bad. I just feel like their fights have a like more of a clarity of motion and there's more energy to them. Whereas this one felt a little bit flatter um, in it some felt of the fights. brutal. Games. Yeah. Seriously, so. when Yelena and Clint were facing off, I thought that, like, there was a part that I couldn't even stomach when she was just bashing him over and over again with her widow stick or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, I'm amazed that we haven't talked about Yelena yet. Like, that's how much stuff is in this episode that we said we haven't even gotten to Yelena. But, um, that, everything about her in this, I, I loved it, so... So much. The fact that she wore green to that holiday party. Can I take your cup? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Gosh, and the fact that she and Kate still had that banter. Kate Bishop. You know, she seemed genuinely happy to see her. You know, despite that, like, the, like, the fact that they do fight. And they're even complimenting each other. Oh, yeah, I totally felt that kick to the ribs there. Oh, yes, and that uh, throwing over the body thing. That was that was very good, you know? 
Yeah, I just all their interactions are are wonderful. Like I love their their kind of their friendship. I love the sort of thing they have going where Yelena to some extent like it's clear that Kate has given her more trouble than she thought she would, but to some extent Yelena is still toying with her, you know. It's like I feel like she's not because we see her go full out on Clint and it's not pretty. So she's still kind of messing around with Kate, but like their whole their banter them in the elevator yes. I love that where she's like she pulls off her dress and her costumes underneath she's like did you plan that and kate's like yeah yeah i did it was pretty cool pretty cool and then kate like slams all the buttons on the elevator and she's like oh why did you do that it's so annoying <laughs> right oh my gosh the fact that they were standing side by side and kate tried to do it a few times and yelena just kept slapping her hand away or like twisting her around no no no, no. <laughs> but also, like Kate being like, "Oh man, we shouldn't, we shouldn't do this. Let's go have a drink." She's like, "Okay, yeah, I kill Clint Barton, and then we go have a drink." And she's like, "No, that's not how it's supposed to work." <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, I really don't. I am assuming they're going to bring back Yelena and Kate, but I hope Marvel brings them back together in similar capacities because I feel like they could be pretty good bros. Like Elena would have some more tricks for Kate to learn, you know? And yeah, like Kate would exactly right. It just, I want them to sort of become a sisterly thing, especially since Elena is kind of lacking a sister right now, but she's someone a little on the optimistic side. Yeah. Elena could, could use a, a sister. Yeah. I feel like they do have kind of a sister thing. Maybe it's just because they kept kind of swatting at each other and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that kind of feels like a like sister thing. Like, Hey, stop it. You stop it. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yes. I hope that becomes a thing later. I really do. But for now, I don't know what Yelena's going to do now, honestly. Because it, it was pretty obvious, like, no, she's going to spare Clint or he's going to get the better of her. Either way, he's walking away out of this. But the fact that she actually listened and the reason that she started listening was because Clint did that whistle that we saw in Black Widow. That uh, honestly got me a little choked up because I almost forgot about that whistle. And Yelena's just like, wait, how'd you know that? And yeah. Bring that... on the nostalgia. Yeah, she talked about you, you know just what did she say when you guys were separated and you were on that plane all she could think was to get you safe you know to keep you safe and i'm like oh my heart that sounds so much like natasha romanov you know and the fact that that's what gets yelena to listen because the whole time she's demanding clint like like what happened how'd you do it or whatever and clint's like trying to tell her she sacrificed herself. Natasha sacrificed herself. I tried to do it. And she's like, you're a liar. Or you didn't try hard enough. Yeah, I that scene really did get me in the feels, too. Um, and I think part of it is just the place Yelena is in, where it's like she needs Clint to be guilty because she needs there to just be like this one guy that she can punch, you know, and if she kills him, like that'll make the pain go away. But it won't because at the end of the day, you know, she knows he's right when he says Natasha sacrificed herself. That's what she does. And for Yelena, it's like she wants to, you know, because she can't the person whose fault it is is Thanos and she can't take it out on him. She can't do anything like that. She just so she's trying to make Clint into the villain because 
she needs someone to blame and she doesn't want to be left alone with that feeling of of emptiness you know of pain of natasha's just not here anymore you know yeah yeah and so yeah just like really solid acting from both florence Pugh and jeremy renner actually and uh yeah that that scene did really get to me um also, I think I have a little bit of a soft spot for scenes of like one character trying to kill the other and getting talked out of it. Um, well, you know, same. Or same. having a revelation where they realize they they don't want to do it or something. Um, because you have that like, like tension where it, you know it pulls it where like oh man maybe maybe they're gonna do it maybe they're gonna do it and then it it there's this catharsis instead. So it's a it's a it's a it's a kind of scene or it's a trope or it's a, a storytelling um beat that i really kind of tends to get to me so now i love it too and marvel kind of does those pretty well like my first thought when you were explaining that kind of scene was bucky and steve's fight in the winter soldier movie yeah yeah that um that scene wrecked me you know (laughs) Um, (laughs) same so but yeah part of it was just like how long it goes on of Steve refusing to fight, you know, Steve only fighting back so that he can get that chip in. And then he just gives up and it's like, he's willing to let Bucky kill him if that's what it takes. And Bucky's not snapping out of it and it just keeps going. And you're just like, no, stop. You two love each other. (laughs) And finally he realizes it. And it's just, yeah, there's something about the idea of someone like being in that state of just like blind rage and having, to let go of that or like having that go away from them um and then being left with just the emptiness and just the grief that's very affecting so so yeah and in this one it's the same thing where like you said like Galena gets very nasty um toward the end and there's moments when you're like oh man maybe she's gonna do it maybe she's gonna do it I mean I knew she wasn't but you know the fact that they managed to trick me for like a little bit into sort of like going against my brain is uh is good storytelling yeah oh yeah good storytelling is when you can get your heart to go against your brain like your brain knows that the main character is not going to die because there's a bunch of sequels but (laughs) your heart is into it and and thinks there is worried about them yeah no very well said and that scene really was acted out very well i appreciate to know that i'm not the only one who got emotional during it just right in the feels marvel right in the feels but it makes me wonder what Yelena is going to be doing now. Like if she's going to kind of go back to Julia Louise Dreyfus of Valentina and be like, yeah, I am not joining your little club. Or if she's just going to go straight back to finding all the other widows, you know, like trying to figure out, okay, who's been, who was dusted, who's moved on from the blip and what, what happened in the five years I was gone and maybe gets a drink with Kate Bishop. I, I don't know, but. I'm curious yeah. to see what Yelena's going to do next. I, I want her to hang out with Kate. I, I hope she doesn't go back to Julia Louise Dreyfus and her kind of like morally ambiguous pseudo villains club. Um, but I also think it would be interesting to see what happened if she did. Um, although I think if she ever like has to work with John Walker on anything, she'll just like beat the tar out of him. So yes, I hope that happens. That'd be fun. 
I uh, want to see that now. Yes, go, go back to Valentina, Yelena, just <laughs> so you can put uh, Walker in his place. Be like, yeah, you you brought this guy in for your little suicide squad. This guy, really? I don't care if he has super soldier serum. I can still take him down with one hand tied behind back. He is weak sauce. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah, that would be that. It's like, uh, you know, Julia Louis Dreyfus, Valentina, Countessa, whatever her name is, um, is like, all right, you guys are partnered on this mission. Don't screw it up. All right, love you, bye. And then it's like five <laughs> minutes later, it's just like Yelena beating Walker into a pulp and him being like, I've got super soldier serum. You just uh, don't have powers. All you do is flips. And she's like, no, I don't do the posing. I just kicked you. I just beat you. That's all I do. I just kick you really hard and beat you and you cry like little girl. Actually, not like little girl because I was little girl and I never cried like that. (laughs) Yes, I want that. I don't know when we're going to see Valentina, Walker, Yelena again, but I want that scene to happen all day, every day. Someone write a fan fiction about that. Bare minimum, please. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely would like to see that. But I would also like to see her walk away from that and go back to, you know, her mission of taking care of the other widows. Or I'd just like to see her and Kate, like, hanging around New York together and, like, getting a drink and, like, slapping each other and getting in fights or, you know, doing goofy stuff or shenanigans or, I don't know, superhero stuff together. Just, just something. I, I really love those characters' interactions. It's really fun to watch, so... Yeah, for sure. And Kate's going to need some friends. I mean, don't get me wrong. The ending where uh, Clint invites her and the dog to spend time at Christmas, that was awesome. Do not get me wrong. That was very awesome. But Kate's going to need some more friends. And I'm in, I'm too impatient to wait for her other friends like uh, Wiccan and Hulkling, America Chavez. I know they're all coming. I know. But for now, she's going to need some friends. And I'm guessing Yelena is like older than her, but not significantly so. And the fact that their banter is just so gold, just do not waste this opportunity, Marvel. We need this. Yeah, absolutely. And I I also did think it was very sweet how, um, you know, Kate gets to go to the house. And also she's like, are you sure they're, they're okay with that? And Clint's like, oh yeah, everyone's excited to meet you. And like Laura is very genuine and welcoming. And the kids are, are totally fine with this stranger crashing their Christmas, you know? Um, <laughs> So it's, it's very, that was cute. Um, I also, yeah, just appreciate the fact that like he, Clint brings home this like random, you know, 20 something girl with a bunch of like, you know, facial injuries. And I mean, I know he's told Laura all about her and everything. And Laura's like, hello, welcome, welcome to the nest. Like we're, (laughs) we're used to, you know, like troubled women with a chip on their shoulder getting to hang out here and becoming part of the family like basically yeah how the bartons work you know that's how it works and speaking of laura she was a shield agent that's what the watch was all about all right okay we We, kind of guessed as much you know yeah basically but you know there was a fan theory who's like oh what if she's a mockingbird I'm not sure if you're familiar with who the character is, Caroline, but... I actually am, because she's a character... It's interesting, though. I wonder how this is going to work, because I also, you know, looked up, like, Agent 19 after seeing the number on the watch, because I'm like, okay, I know that's significant somehow. Um, And I saw that, and it's like, yep, it's Mockingbird. 
And so I'm just like, that's really interesting because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has a Mockingbird. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's it's Bobby Bobby Morse, I believe. She's played by Adrian um, Padalecki or Padalecki. Sorry, Adrian. Um, <laughs> you're a really good actress and I like you. Uh, but, but yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was going, and there was also talks about doing like a Mockingbird spinoff, um, with her, that character. Cause she was really, po- as far as I could tell, she was really popular and well-received, but it just like never happened. And she kind of disappeared off into the ether. So Aww. I, I don't know much about her in the comics, but I know her from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I'm curious to, I wonder if maybe this is just like a reoccurring code name for S.H.I.E.L.D. and like. Laura had it and then she retired and then uh, Bobby took it up or something. Yeah, that would be interesting because I I know Mockingbird from the Unstoppable Wasp series, you know, where Nadia Van Dyne takes up the mantle as the wasp and Bobby becomes like one of her mentors. And I don't know much about uh, Bobby Morse, you know, other than uh, those comic runs, but I do know, you know, she was... I know of her abilities and I know that she and Clint were married once, but divorced in the comics. So when fans were like, Oh yeah, she's mockingbird. I'm like, Bobby Morse. I don't think so. But I like your idea that, you know, Laura passed on the mantle to Bobby herself and that they shared the title, sort of like how the widows do and such, you know, that I can get behind considering how awesome Laura is. Yeah. Mockingbird is definitely a title I would want her to have. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point about how, about the widows. And also now that I'm thinking of it, I feel like it's kind of an interesting cause in um, apparently in the comics, there's a lot of like a l- whole bunch of retcons about Natasha and like uh, there was a black widow doing this and black widow doing that. And she's actually a hundred years old or something. Oh, snap. Um, and so I just, I feel like that's kind of dumb. And I like the idea that Black Widows, because in the MCU, the Black Widow programmer version of it has been around since um, since the, the very early 20th century, because we have a Black Widow who's about Peggy's age. She was trained as a little girl. So, you know, Peggy was born in um, 1918, I believe. Um, or 1919. Uh, so that means that the program's been around since the 20s. Uh, wow. Um, so the idea of like, instead of it just being like Natasha Romanoff did all these things and we have to keep retconning it, it's like, no, a Black Widow did all these things because there's been a bunch of Black Widows over yeah. the years. So um, I I kind of like that idea of like this, the, the idea that these superhero titles don't you know, have to have just one person attached to them. Um, and we're seeing a lot more of, you know, people getting this, uh, these passed down to them because, you know, hopefully, presumably the ending of this show um, signals that Kate is the new Hawkeye um, because of, you know, the way they end it and the title. So hopefully Kate's the new Hawkeye or maybe they can both be Hawkeyes um, and, you know, they can do a lot of misdirection with that. Someone's like, where's Hawkeye? They can be like, I don't know. I'm right here, but he's over there. There are two of us. Um, like, oh, no, you mean that Hawkeye. But hopefully not. That would be dumb. I hope it just means that Kate's Hawkeye now. Um, so, so yeah, we see the kind of the passing of the torch and also the way they were able to kind of, with the Ant-Man series, like deal with the fact that Hank Pym is a deeply unpopular character and a lot for a lot of comic fans of being like, okay, Hank Pym is not the Ant-Man, 
but we're going to revamp him so that he's actually we like him. And Ant-Man is Scott Lang, who was the more likable replacement for Hank Pym. So, yes. you know, they've got kind of that, that already going on of like some of these titles get passed down to different people over the years. So the idea that Mockingbird maybe within shield was just kind of like a, a standing thing, or again, maybe it was just Laura was the first mockingbird and then she and Bobby became friends or Bobby trained under her. And when she left, she was all like, okay, you can carry on uh, this code name. And also, you know, you learn my fighting style. So, you know, you can do that. Or maybe Laura's mockingbird had a different set of weapons or something. Um, right. So yeah. many possibilities. I know. I'm, I want to know all about this now. I'm like, I want to know all of Laura's backstory, but I am glad that, you know, a lot of our, the things we were saying about her did kind of pay off. That it's like, you know, she says a lot of stuff that implied, like when she says like, I know I trust your judgment and the fact that she speaks multiple languages and that she's really good at researching. Like, I, I think, I'm not saying that you can't do that and not be a superhero, but the idea that she was an agent of shield as well. It just like it, it makes sense with um, her characterization up at this, up until this point. Um, and also, you know, makes you wonder about like, how did she and Clint meet? I know we asked the question before, but now it just seems so much more interesting. I'm like, okay, was it just, they met on the job? Like, what right? were they doing? I, I feel like there's a whole like rom-com you can make of like how Clint and Laura met and got married and everything. So so we're going to need a fanfic for that, too. <laughs> oh, man. We're, we're ordering a bunch of fanfic after that. We're like, okay, we need a fanfic of this. We need Yelena and, and Kate hanging out. We need Yelena beating up Johnny Walker. We need all the Laura fanfic. Like, um, we we need a bunch of fanfic after this. But not yes, in a bad do. way. Like, not in a, you know, we need to fill in a lot of gaps. But in a, like, this is a cool reveal. And it also makes sense within the story. Um, and I'm also glad that, again, it turned out to be her and not a character we've never met before, because I think I was saying last time that, like, it would be frustrating if they, like, pulled out another, like, oh, it's it's a comic character we've never met before who has the watch. And it's like, nope, it's a character we already know and we were already kind of wondering about. So, yes, it's very satisfying that that plot thread was at least tied up nice and neat and yeah. is a part of our ugly Christmas sweater. But, nice but it also, like... Not to pat myself on the back or anything, but I remember last episode when she was not terribly faced by uh, Kingpin co- potentially coming after her and the kids. Um, I was like, wow, this lady's uh, got grit, but, you know, maybe she actually does have some powers or skills. And like, yep, I was right. She used to yeah. be in the field. So her reaction to learning that was like, you know, if someone comes to get us, I know how to defend us. Like, yes, you know, queen. Yes. Um, unfortunately we, we don't get to see her fight like you wanted. I would have liked that. That would have been fun, but you know, we, we can hope. We can hope. Instead we see the LARPers fight, which was kind of funny and an interesting choice on its own. The, the LARPers like, I'm sorry that the, the, a lot of the jokes with them just got like run into the ground, you know, it's like they started out not being as funny as they were supposed to be. And then they just kept coming back. So I know. I was like, why are they coming back? Are Clinton and Kate just that hard up for allies or something? Because I get that all the other Avengers are kind of doing their own thing, you know, more or less. Yeah, But, but we can do this, a little better, right? I know. I'm kind of like, so do you not have Sam or Bucky's phone number, Clint? Just saying. 
<laughs> right? Because at this point, you know, Sam's obviously the new Captain America. And as far as we're aware, he and Bucky are just kind of chilling at Sam's place. So you guys could have called him and be like, you mind uh, giving us a hand real quick? Yeah, man. All right. Let's do this, you know? Yeah, I know. I'm just like, I, I get that Sam's probably busy being new Captain America, but at the same time, like, I don't think he's too busy to to help out um, Hawkeye with, you know, a major crime boss going after him. I, I feel like that could be worth a call or, you know, just like send Bucky up there for a project. Like, Bucky needs to get out of the house more, so. Basically, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. what about Scott? They could have called Scott. I mean... Exactly. When, when Scott kind of have a you know a bond going, they seem to like each other. Yeah, and when uh, Clint and Kate saw that that one arrow shrunk that uh, trust a bros van and the owl carried it off, and Clint's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna have to tell Scott about that one." I'm like, "Okay, so you're telling me that the two of you are in contact. Otherwise, how else would you have gotten the pin particles? I- I'd like to point that out, but you couldn't have called him either. Okay." All right, whatever. Yeah, it's like, Clint, give Scott a call, okay? Like, he would totally be, he would totally come and help you, you know? Yes, he would. Oh, my gosh. But, all right, we have the LARPers, and I must admit, even though I was a little impressed with the fact that they, like, did their role pretty well, you know, making sure everything at the party was going well, and that they were down for, like, yeah, okay, well... We'll go into this potentially dangerous situation and let you guys know what's going on and hold your gear. But what kills me and what makes me kind of laugh a little is that when they're trying to get all those panicked people out, they're like, oh, yep, now just keep running and shoving each other. Okay. And then, of course, when they get dressed up, that's when people start to listen to them. I'm like, you're kidding, right? You only listen to people in uniform or costume. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense in real life, truly. Not really, though, because they dressed up like medieval people, you know? (laughs) Like, it would be one thing if they put on... And that's the other thing, too, is, like, I get that there's definitely overlap between LARPers and um, people who like superhero media. Like, you know, a lot of nerds are multi-nerdal, you know? They specialize in... Um, despite sort of, I think there is an maybe an idea out there that, like, sci-fi and fantasy fans don't overlap, but, like... They do. They definitely do. But they're, I don't know, to me, I'm just like, I know several people for whom like fantasy is the one speculative fiction thing that they can get into because they're like history nerds. Um, And then you get anything involving like, you know, superheroes or like space or laser guns or anything like that. And they're just like, nope, I'm out. Um, But they're like swords. Yes, I get swords. I like swords. Um, And then, you know, same, you've got your like, people who are really into sci-fi who are just like whatever fantasy is boring dude um or sci-fi is so much more relevant than fantasy because it is actually about science and like most sci-fi has nothing to do with science just saying (laughs) Um, most sci-fi is just fantasy but it takes place in space so they call it science just saying caroline speaking truth everybody um I, I may be a little bit biased if, with uh, liking fantasy more than I like science fiction, but you know, don't get me wrong. I love, I do love science fiction as well. Again, I like a lot of nerd stuff. Um, but to me, it seems odd that they're all really into a superhero. Like 
I mean, again, if you kind of made the point that like, oh, well, Clint's like a more kind of down to earth superhero and he uses a medieval weapon. So maybe some of the LARPers are like, I'm not into the other Avengers, but you're cool. You know, (laughs) right? like that might actually be a good joke. He's like, wait, what do you mean? I'm your favorite. And they're like, well, you know, I'm just not into aliens and stuff, but you've got a cool bow and arrow. Like I love bow archery. You know, I'm super into that. No, I, I can see that now. I can genuinely see that. And Wow. Even though I wasn't pleased with the LARPers in the first place, I truly wasn't. I did think it was funny that them getting into uniform was what got people to listen to them. But I honestly am surprised none of them got seriously maimed or killed. Because seriously, these uh, trust a bro dudes, they, they mean business. Even though it was funny when one of them was trying to tell Kate, like, hey, I took your advice. I, my girlfriend and I, we talked. We went to a Maroon 5 concert instead, you know? Yeah, no, that was great. Also, the fact that the guy who was saying bro and originally came back, he's like, hey, bro, and then like immediately gets punched. It's like, yeah, you, <laughs> you need to stop saying that to Clint and Kate. Um, but, but yeah, also it was fun to see, you know, girlfriend concert ticket guy come back and she's like, so what's with the gun? He's like, well, I got to it. She's like, okay, and then flips him over. Um, <laughs> Just that, wanted that to was- say thank you. Yeah, but like... With the uh, with the LARPers, although I did think it was funny when when Grills was trying to save that a really bratty little kid who was like, oh my god, I'm like, do you know who I am? He's like, I'm trying <laughs> to save your life, you brat. <laughs> I know. I'm just like that kid is just so awful. It's really fun to see him for some reason. Like I, I'm sure if I actually like met him in real life, I would like run away as fast as I could. But like in in fiction it's just very funny to see just how awful he is um (laughs) so also i just think it's hilarious that he like wants um jack's wine collection and he's like you can't even drink wine he's like well it's still wanted (laughs) right you're not old enough to appreciate it (laughs) i know that's jack that's jack's first thing instead of just like immediately swatting him off he's just like well you can't appreciate it (laughs) i'm just like Dude, again, you were talking to a set. I feel like he's kind of on the same level as that little kid, though. It's like, <laughs> he's kind of a man-child, you know? Like, he's he's just this kind of goofus, goofy person who just, like, sorts, you know? He's, he's kind of a kid. Seriously, though. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, I, uh, I thought that part was funny. But overall, yeah, I feel like with the LARPers, I guess the point I was trying to make is... I feel like they're just kind of one. They're there because the uh, the writers are like, oh yeah, this is this is funny, but also doesn't want to like make fun of them too much because they're like, oh, I'm worried that like this is our audience um, and they'll get <laughs> mad. Um, but also like having them just be a little bit too much, like oh you know, this is, Clint is cockeyes cool because he's an Avenger. We're basically Avengers. And I'm just like, there must be some people in this universe other than Yelena who is frustrated with like people talking about Avengers all the time. It's like, what does that even mean? You're an Avenger, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. Um, So just the fact that they sort of, uh, again, maybe this is just a personal pet peeve of mine because of uh, the way it kind of comes up as like a, it seems to me like a lazy, like, oh, this is why they're helping Clint and Kate in this super dangerous situation with all this stuff is uh, they, they like heroes and they want to be Avengers or, or whatever. And I'm just like, I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense that they're, they're doing all this for them. I mean, you know, good for them, but also like, it just seems it just, like you said, I'm just like, I feel like Clint and Kate could, could find other people to help them out. <laughs> 
Or, you know, it would be nice if there was maybe something like, I don't know, some kind of established that like Clint has like a network or even if they're not, you know, big name actors or characters from other series, maybe just Kate be like, who are these guys? And Clint's like, oh, these are ex-Shield people, you know, or these are some people who I did favors. I'm calling in some favors, you know, something like that. And let's not forget actual police officers. Where are they other than arresting Eleanor Bishop? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They're um they're they're never really around in uh in these things, are they? Um except for in uh, either a hero needs arresting or a villain needs arresting. It's just like they kinda hang out, let all the vigilantes do whatever they do, and then kinda come in at the end. Yeah, they're they're cleanup duty, I guess. Yeah. So, um or I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe they were uh maybe maybe the kingpin was paying everyone to go away. Oh, snap. Yeah, I accept that, too. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe, like, someone high up in the NYPD is in the pocket of Kingpin, and he's like, just, uh, you know, make sure that no one's around uh, Rockefeller uh, Square. I'm I'm not quite sure what that ice rink is called. Sorry, New Yorkers. Um, like, yeah, make, make sure no one is around that particular area tonight, okay? Some stuff's going to go down. Also, if Eleanor Bishop gets away, arrest her. <laughs> right seriously um so yeah larpers weak choice kind of amusing on some parts but for the most part they fell flat could have done well without them yeah yeah but you know tracksuit mafia continue to be very fun love them all day every day i swear when they just kept coming out of nowhere i'm like how many of these dudes are there yes i want them to move my stuff I know there are like a a lot of of tracksuit guys out there. I mean, I guess there are a lot of like Eastern European tracksuit wearing guys in New York. Um, maybe <laughs> I don't know. Haven't been there in a while. Um, but uh, but also I can definitely again not to keep like saying everything is because of Kingpin, but you know <laughs> we know that his money is backing up this organization. So I can see him just being like. All right, so I need, you know, Times Square clear, no police interference, and I need a bunch more guys in tracksuits, you know. We really need to to bulk up this operation here. Basically. What if we don't like tracksuits? You're wearing tracksuits. That's the <laughs> uniform. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I accept that too. I accept all your theories, Caroline. I accept them all. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, is there is there anything else you want to talk about? Because I'm trying to think. I think I'm all t- uh, talked out on the major points. Except Rogers the Musical, of course. That was a gift. Oh my gosh. I am so glad that we got to see just a little bit more of that. Because like I, I walked out of that uh, first episode being like, Oh man, I would love to see all of Rogers the Musical. That would be amazing. So... We didn't get that, but we did get the whole the whole song, which was really delightful. So I, I enjoy that very much. Um, also, you know, I am a big Steve Rogers stan fan, fangirl, you know, lover of Steve Rogers in all forms. So whatever uh, you want to label me, um, I'm just happy to see that you know, people in the MCU appreciate him or want to know more about him or that he's getting some recognition um, in the form of a musical, which like he would hate, 
but also <laughs> uh, it makes me me happy. I, th- I think he would really hate it, but it would be, but he, he deserves it, even if he doesn't want to deserve it. So, no, he totally does. And I thank you, Marvel, for giving us that. That was delightful. Yeah, that was um, that was really that was really lovely as a end credit sequence. And also, you know, I think it's nice to have ones that are not like all like foreshadowing or all like reveals or all like stuff for other ones. It's fun to have one that's just like a fun little Easter egg for the the, the viewers. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, and especially since we did get some, you know, some a lot of fun reveals throughout this episode. So it's like, okay, we got. We got all the reveals that that we need, um, and now we've got just a nice little note to to send us home with. So, Basically. again, I, I keep talking like we're watching this in a theater or something. I'm just like, I went home or I left the thing. I'm like, I didn't. It was just in my TV room, but um, <laughs> you know, and I'm still in my apartment. But like, you know, let let me pretend. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So let's see. Notes. I have a couple of like stray Yelena thoughts um one of them is I really liked how uh, her black widow friend had adopted a couple of kids and just kind of casually mentioned that again after you know everything in in age of Ultron and that whole plot line I'm just like I, I appreciate the fact that they're like yeah black widows can still be moms you know yes and very much also can kind of re- reclaim that for themselves uh and that there's you know more than one way to be a mom again not trying to downplay you know, how difficult it is for, for people who want to have, you know, their own biological kids and, and can't do that or are struggling with infertility or, you know, have that choice taken away from them. Cause that's an awful thing. And I don't want to downplay that, but um, also I think that it's, it's neat to show that uh, one of the widows can, or that the widows can kind of, you know, reclaim that for themselves and have a family. So. Very well said. Very articulate and very good point, Caroline. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. So I forgot to, to mention that last time, but that was something I, I appreciated. So, um, so yeah, good, good for her, even though she's doing some shady stuff outside <laughs> of that. Um, but, you know, good for her, uh, you know, adopting some kids and, and being a, being a good mom, presumably. So, um, and then the other thing with Yelena is uh, her, you know, the whole mac and cheese bit. Um, I just realized that at the beginning of uh, Black Widow, when they're going home and she asks her mom, she's like, you know, I want mac and cheese. And she's like, well, I want champagne and caviar, but I'm not getting that. Oh, which is like also a little hint that, you know, she's the fact that her tastes are a little bit more refined than kind of like an average suburban mom in the 80s might. Um, So she might she's she's actually a secret Russian spy. I'm like, haha, that's kind of clever. But also that. You know, Yelena, for Yelena, that's like a nostalgic food, probably. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, I totally missed that. Yeah, it's like, again, little little things like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really glad I watched the Black Widow movie right before watching that episode, because I just feel like there were a lot of neat little connections. And another one being Yelena talking about, like, oh, I love American Christmas, you know, with the big tree and everything. And then I remember like, oh, right. In the Black Widow movie, they talk about how they like, you know, stage like fake Christmas photos so that they could have those, um, you know, just around their house or to show to people or, or what have you. Um, and also they, uh, I remember Alexei talking about how they're like, oh, yeah, I remember when like I pretended to be Santa or you were hunting for Santa or something 
like that. And I thought that was, that was a cute moment of like them, you know, you know, trying kind of doing a, a normal family thing together. But it's like, on the one hand, it's something that's seen as like a typical family thing, but they also have like their own version of it or their own spin on it. Or it's like, yeah, I guess the, the whole idea of like, you know, her saying like, it was all fake, but it was, you know, it was fake, but it was all real to them. So I feel like that's kind of maybe how for Yelena Christmas has that association. So. Ooh, very good point. Awesome connection. Yeah. Of like for her, it's like on the one hand, it's, it's kind of artificial and over the top, but it also kind of reminds her of, of something real. So um, yeah, that's my, that's my kind of thinking about that, that little beat. But again, I feel like the writers of this, I appreciate how they watched you know, I appreciate how I feel like they watched Black Widow um, in setting up Yelena and had these little sort of notes and, and callbacks and things. So, yeah, no, definitely. It's the little things like that that just go right over my head. Yeah. Also, um, her uh, makeup and her hair were really on point uh, in this episode. And she kind of she took the, the braids uh, to another level. So like her hair's still up out of her face, but it's like just got way more like flair to it than before. So yeah, I thought, uh, I thought that her hairstyle was pretty cool in this. So yeah, no, they are always on point when it comes to hair and I dig the braids. Like there was even a moment where when Yelena and Clint were fighting and the light kind of shone on her just right. And I'm like, man, she and um, Scarlett Johansson look like they could be sisters. Like just, I don't know. Like something in that lighting and maybe it was the hair or just the roundness of their face, but the hair definitely did help. And well, braids are an excellent choice when it comes to fighting because it's less likely for someone to pull on your hair in the middle of that fight. Yeah. Yeah. Also again, like I, I think Kate's uh, ponytail is super pretty and I love her little curly tendrils, but you know, speaking as someone who, whenever I do that with my hair, I'm always pushing them out of my face all day. Um, I, uh, I appreciate Yelena's kind of, uh, practicality and keeping everything up. But again, I feel like it's still showing her, you know, asserting her individuality in that she's got like, you know, heavy makeup on, she's got the real dark lip and the real high hair. So it's like, it fits in at the party, but it's also her, you know, even though she's putting her black widow uniform back on, she's like, she's still going to have those little Yelena kind of styling things going on to show she's not. Um, a widow anymore really so yeah no it's the perfect compromise yeah and then although speaking of sartorial choices um i really liked eleanor's dress um i liked how it was it kind of was a little bit gothic and uh with the velvet and the lace details um so it's sort of in a kind of a i guess a, a villainous type of outfit uh for her reveal so i i thought that fit with her quite well um and then Although on the uh, the maybe less good, but definitely in character side, Kingpin's Hawaiian shirt, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> it was it was real bad, but it also like, I'm just like, yeah, that's in character for him. But just like, oh man, that it just, it's so incongruous with like the rest of his whole, whole thing. And also, especially with, he's got the necklace and he's got the cane with a big rock on it. It's just like, Man, you're you're you need to tone it back just a little bit, dude. Like you'd be way more intimidating if you kind of kept it a little bit more simple. But I have trouble as much as I want to take you seriously, the Hawaiian shirt is kind of hurting it. 
So honestly, though, I was just looking at that like, man, that is an eyesore. No. Yeah, it's a it is a bad shirt, but I don't I don't think he was ever that. Um, I mean, in the in the series, he does have actually a nice suit collection. Um, so I'm I'm a little bit I'm just like, what happened to you, Kingpin? I feel like you used to dress a lot better. <laughs> yeah, no, no, awful shirt. Yeah, maybe he he went to Hawaii um, in between the end of Daredevil and and this series, and uh, he just he he went a little he got a little too into it, you know. Yeah, either way, no one, of course, is going to tell him, yo, that shirt is ugly. (laughs) Yeah, that's what happens when you when you get too intimidating, you know, is that you make bad fashion decisions and nobody tells you that you look ridiculous, you know, because they're too afraid of you. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunate choice. I don't know whose idea that was in costuming or if they're like, you know what, this guy just is scary on his own. We need to kind of balance it out. I don't know. But either way, that shirt is if he truly did die, that is an awful shirt to die in. (laughs) Oh, no, you're right. He he can't be dead, man. He can't have died in a Hawaiian shirt. That's just not right. (laughs) And like a really bad, like red one with a loud fringe and everything. Um, Yes. Oh, my gosh. But yeah. And then speaking of um, speaking of Daredevil, I do have like one final like missing plot thread is um, one of the I believe a character from Daredevil who comes over is Detective uh, Mahoney, who calls up Kate earlier on and thinking like episode two and is never heard of again. So oh my gosh, yes, that bothered me, even though I don't know the character. I'm just like, wasn't there someone who's just like, hey, we need to talk to you. And that just never gets picked up again. Exactly. Like, I mean, I hate to end on that note because there was so much in this episode that I really did love. But I just like I have been saying throughout this that I think there are a lot of stuff that just there's a lot of stuff that just got dropped. And because I was thinking about Daredevil, I'm just like, wait, wait a second. They brought over a Daredevil character just to have him in one scene, which feels like it's setting up that like, Kate's gonna, you know, get in trouble with the law or gonna have to like keep her stuff on the down low because, you know, one of a detective is on to her and her kind of suspicious, you know, cover stories and stuff. And that just goes nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. Yeah, that is very frustrating. What about you? Do you have any like any final thoughts, any wrap up, any like I think we've talked a lot about stuff we would like to see in like a potential continuation of this or in like you know, Kate Bishop, the movie or, or what have you. Um, so, you know, and also Black Widow to Yelena Boogaloo. So we've got we've got ideas for the future and everything. But do you have any like uh, random thoughts, uh, fun parts, uh, little details, stuff that other stuff that bugged you that you need to get off your chest? No, uh, just honestly, I think I'm good. I've said all I needed to say. That was a lot of thoughts and a lot of feelings from both of us. I guess any final thoughts would be, I hope Rogers the Musical becomes on actual Broadway one day. I would love to see that in person. I would pay an absurd amount of money to see that. Yes. Let, let's end with that. Let's make Rogers the Musical an actual musical. That's my takeaway from this series. Yeah, but wow. We are done with Hawkeye. Six episodes. We are done. 
shaky beginning, a solid finish more or less. And honestly, the last thing we need to review is Spider-Man, which will probably happen in the new year because, you know, the holidays are upon us. We're lucky we even got to do this. Yeah, yeah, you guys didn't see all the, like, behind-the-scenes, like, frantic texting and logistics and everything. It's uh, <laughs> it's hard to get. This is the time of year that um, I feel like with other friends this week has been a string of, like, oh, yeah, we should totally get together, but wait, I'm busy during the holidays. So next, next, into the next year, into the next year, after the season. Um, Basically, yeah. I feel like, yeah, so that's... We're going to have to... We're going to say that to you guys, too. It's like, yeah, we're we're going to get together for this but after the holidays. So, um, you know, hopefully everyone out there can like have a break, have some time with their family, uh, have some, some good food and some festive lighting and, uh, all that good stuff. So I hope, you know, everyone enjoys the holiday season and, um, I guess we'll be, you know, talking to, uh, our, our lovely listeners again in 2022. Yeah, man couple more days until the end of 2021 let's make it a good one folks let's make next year pretty good uh thank you all so much for listening and be sure to follow us on social media we do obviously have more content to talk about as long as marvel shall live but in the meantime like caroline said enjoy your time and join us next time on nerd alert ladies Girls, yes, queen. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye.